Amen. Well, good morning. I want to say a particular welcome to those of you who are new here today. My name is Alex, and uh, really, really glad if you're here for the first time, especially if this is your first time like ever in a church setting, a first time in a long time in a church setting. Thank you so much for getting up on a Sunday morning. We've been praying for you to join us here some Sunday morning, and you fought through the rain, the storms, the opposition set against you to come be a part of things here. What we're all about is really simple, uh, connect people to God, to each other, uh, and engaging our world for good. That's true whether you're here in person or online. We're so, so glad that you're here with us. Mom. Moms, dads, kids, school almost here finally. Like they, they made it as late as possible. It's like August 264th is when school is starting. But it's here. And, and parents across the state are singing. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And there's great things coming up next Sunday. We're going to have bounce houses at Mapleview Ice Cream. And we've, uh, we're putting in requests for better weather than today. So we're going to be outside and enjoy it. And, uh, and we've sent out a mailer to 30,000 of our closest friends across Chatham County to come join us. And I want to, first off, I want to invite you, especially if this is your church home, to be praying and thinking about who might you invite to come be a part of the celebration, be a part of what God's doing here. Friend, neighbor, coworker. It doesn't have to be someone with kids. It could be retirees. Retirees like ice cream as well, even if you're lactose intolerant. You shouldn't be eating it. You still do. So come and join us. And we want to invite you to sort of be praying and thinking about who you might invite. And before we invite 30,000 of our closest friends to come join us next Sunday, we're spent, we spent uh, last week and this week getting really clear on who we are as a church and why we're here. What does it mean for us, as we understand it, to walk in the way of Jesus, to be a church that's sort of in line and in keeping with God's purposes and plans for his church? Because some of you have been a part of churches that forgot that. And when we're part of churches that forget why we are here, it devolves rather quickly into uh, all the wrong arguments. We start fighting over stuff like politics, personal preferences, color of the carpet, deep, deep, deep secondary issues about like theology. And listen, all those things matter. They're all important. They're just not the reason why the church is here. We just got to work those out in community, but they're secondary things. And the thing that we want to be about is the thing that God, that Jesus sent us to be about. So we're looking at some passages just here a couple of weeks here in August to help us get ready for the fall that we might be refreshed and be really clear on who we are, what we're about as we welcome the community to come and join us. So today we're going to look at a passage of scripture that was very formative for us as a church about six years ago. And we're going to look at it because it's, it's been so critical uh, for our church community to kind of get like anchored in. And it's also, it speaks really loudly about what kind of church we want to be and who we want to be as we press into a new school year. And if, if you're new here today, it's a great day to kind of be here and hear what our church is really all about. We're talking about something today that's maybe more countercultural than it's ever been in any of our lifetimes. And here's what, we're, here's what the call is for us today, that we're going to be a community that practices radical hospitality in a deeply polarized world. Practicing radical hospitality and a world that's polarized, fractured, and fragmented. Jesus said, hey, my church and my people are going to be salty, distinctive, different from the rest of the culture. And salt in, in, that, in that era was not just flavoring, it was also a preservative. When they didn't have refrigeration, meat stays fresh longer when it's salted. So maybe what it means for the church of Jesus to be a preserving agent in the culture is that we practice hospitality in a world of silos, cynicism, and vitriol, where really it's all about this. Really the question is, but what's, what's happening in the world, especially online, but in the world, is we've got these like bunkers, right? And these tribes set up their bunkers. And, and, there's this, and you look at with suspicion with everybody outside of your own bunker. And the question is, are you angry enough? 
Are you angry enough about all the right things? Here's what we're angry about. What are you angry about? Are you, do you match up? Are you progressive enough? Are you conservative enough? Are you enoughness to be a part of our tribe and our community? And there's this, all this suspicion, all this distrust in families, neighborhoods, schools, workplaces, as people lead with suspicion and anger. What if what made us different was we led with, you're welcome here. You're welcome here. That's what we lead with. That's what Jesus led with. You're welcome here. And then what if we actually lived that out in ways that were generous, self-giving, and sacrificial? See, here's the deal. Today, today all of us are born onto a moving walkway. You don't have to do anything. You're supposed to be sorted by the algorithms into your tribes. And what the call of Jesus is, is to step off that moving walkway of culture, move in the opposite direction, toward a community of faith, hope, love, to be people of faith, hope, love. Not cynicism, not anger, not vitriol. Faith, hope, love. To step into radical hospitality. And if we lose sight of this, we're going to fall into the same culture wars that everyone else is fighting and not be salty or distinctive at all. Several years ago, I was reading through the book of Ezekiel. And Ezekiel is a classically like bad news kind of book. Like if, you're, if you battle with like depression or whatever, don't read Ezekiel. It's just depressing. Like the, the people of Israel have rebelled against God. God sent lots of warnings, lots of prophets. And God sends the Babylonians to kind of cart them off into captivity, right? So most of Ezekiel is like, you guys have been out of line and God's sort of disciplining the people of Israel in this way. And so, and so in Ezekiel 17, where we're going to be today, Ezekiel 17, God tells a parable to Ezekiel that Ezekiel shares with the rest of the nation. I'm going to kind of summarize the parable to, to begin with. So the parable is this, that an eagle comes along and cuts off the top of a cedar tree and plants it back by a stream or a river. And the, the cedar, kind of the top of the cedar, it, it actually grows there like a low vine. And it's actually, it's growing. It's not where it wants to be, but it's growing and okay. And then the vine reaches out to another eagle for help, a different eagle. And because the vine reaches out for the wrong, because the vine reaches out to the wrong eagle, the whole vine withers. And God immediately interprets this parable that the eagle with the Babylonians who had come through and carried away the leaders of the people of Israel. They carried off the, the best and the brightest and the leaders of Israel and planted them back in Babylon. This is exactly what God had wanted them to do. And they weren't home, they weren't in Israel, but they were provided for. They were by a stream and they were growing like a low vine. But what Israel had done was they reached out to Egypt and asked for help, asked for rescue. And because they reached out to Egypt, it resulted in all kinds of unnecessary deaths and conflict. And it was contrary to what God told them to do when God said, I want you to sort of embrace what I'm doing here in Babylon. And so God, so God is sort of basically telling this parable as judgment against the people of Israel. Listen, you reached out to Egypt instead of reaching out to God. I sent you to Babylon to reach out to me, not to reach out to Egypt, not to reach out to something else to help you. And so God then, God then wrapped up that parable and then transitions to sort of this, the, second, the second picture of sort of a, a third eagle, a third, a third kind of movement of, of what God's going to do as God's going to kind of bring the people of Israel out of, out of captivity, out of this sort of dark place into something new that he's going to do that only God could do. Here's how God describes what he's going to do after the time of captivity is done. Verse 22, thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and I will set it out. I will break off from the topmost of its young twigs a tender one. I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel will I plant it that it may bear branches, produce fruit, and become a noble cedar. And under it will dwell every kind of bird in the shade of its branches, birds, 
of every sort will nest. Well, this, uh, this past Thursday, my, uh, our family had a major monumental event. We dropped our oldest off at college. Uh, we took him up to Boone on Thursday, Appalachian State. And if my eyes look red and bloodshot, it's because there's a lot of pollen in Boone this time of year. Not because, definitely have not been crying for two or three days straight. Absolutely not. This is a major transition for him, for our family, you know, and I'm praying for him as he's kind of, you know, day four, three or four of college, just praying that he kind of, you know, finds his people, gets settled, kind of gets a good start to school, and praying that he connects with the faith community there while he's in school as well, because transitions are super vulnerable times, right? You've been in transition before, you've made a move, started a new job, transitions are super vulnerable times. And there's any number of ways to navigate transitions wisely, right? There's best practices. There's things you can do that are good when you're in a transition. But there's a whole lot of stuff outside your control. There's a whole lot of stuff where you need God's grace to meet you. And some environments are less hospitable to transitions than others, right? Some transitions are rough. You move into a new environment, new corporate environment office, and people aren't friendly, aren't welcoming. You move to a, a new town, and the people there aren't especially friendly, aren't especially welcoming. Transitions are vulnerable times. And this whole passage is all about transitions. And at the end of it, God caps off, I'm going to do something new. I'm going to start something new. I'm going to grow something new to a ragtag, overrun group of people. God says, I'm going to do something utterly, absolutely magnificent. I'm going to take this vulnerable little sprig and I'm going to plant it. And it's not going to be in Babylon where they're in captivity. It's not going to be in Egypt either. It's going to be back in the promised land in Israel. I'm going to plant it on the mountain height of Israel. And because God is attending to it, because God is dedicated to it, because God is committed to it, he's going to water it, he's going to watch over it, and it's going to grow, it's going to become this noble cedar, this beautiful picture of this large, strong tree that like is caring for all these things and it has all this fruit and all these branches and all the birds of the air, all these different people are going to come, make their nest, find rest, be provided for. All the birds of the air are going to come and make their home and what God's going to do in a magnificent way. And the, and the beautiful picture of this is not just sort of that individual birds are provided for, it's that there's these birds hanging out in this tree that don't hang out together otherwise. Because it's strong, because there's branches, because there's fruit, because there's things to eat, because they're provided for. All kinds of birds come together that wouldn't hang out otherwise. Because there's something there, there's resources there, there's something strong, space. My friends, when we are living in a space where we are taken care of, when we're living in a space that's strong, fruitful, you don't have to be angry. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be insecure. When we're in a place where we are provided for, we can have hard conversations. We can disagree. We can forgive each other. We can ask for forgiveness. When we are provided for it, a strong place, we are free to be in community together, all the birds of the air coming together to bless one another. I read this passage like seven years ago, totally captivated my imagination. What if we were a noble cedar kind of church right here in Chatham County? What if God would make us into a noble cedar planted right here in Chatham County so that we might be a place where all the birds of Chatham County, all kinds of people from all kinds of walks of life could come, make their nests, find their rest, be blessed. When the, when the spirit of God is at work in us, it produces fruit, good fruit, wisdom, truth, love, peace, joy, patience, 
What if we were the kind of community that would be strong and courageous and be open to welcoming all kinds of people across Chatham County? Hungry people, frustrated people, exhausted people, angry people, bored and apathetic people. What if all the birds of Chatham County could be blessed by a noble cedar church that was willing and understood that our, our job here is to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and creating a space for all the birds of the air might come and take their nest. Here's the thing about Chatham County, our community here. It's not that big. Latest census population, 77,000 people. As I like to say, that's one cul-de-sac in Cary, right? That's, it's not that big. But if you've been around Chatham County at all, there's all, it's, it's crazy how diverse it is, how many niches there are, how many different kind of communities, how many kind of nooks and crannies there are in Chatham County. The variety is astounding. Our own Michelle Stith uh, built this, uh, this slide for us a, a number of years ago, kind of the noble cedar planted in Chatham County. And on one side of it, you can see some more rural setting. That's what Chatham County has been for a long, long time. On the other side of the noble cedar is Briar Chapel. Rolling in. And if, you've, if you're new to Chatham County or whatever, you might not know there's tension in the county over these two visions of what Chatham County's been and what it's becoming. And what if God has planted our church as a noble cedar community to be a buffering agent, an instrument of shalom, peace, that engages with all these challenges, the tensions in our community in such a way that all the birds of Chatham County might be welcomed and blessed and make home and be at peace with each other and have hard conversations with one another? What if our church was a noble enough cedar for Christians, for sure, but also for seekers, skeptics, cynics? Welcome to the Noble Cedar Church. What if our Noble Cedar Church was noble enough to welcome prodigal sons and daughters who once were connected with God in some meaningful way but haven't been for years, maybe decades, and maybe you're coming to church saying, am I still welcome here? What if we were a noble enough cedar to say, prodigal sons and daughters, come back to a father who loves you? What if we were noble enough to deal with the haters? People circle around the Noble Cedar, throw rocks at it, and like make fun of the church and mock us. Hey, you know what? You're still welcome here. What if we were noble enough, Cedar, to welcome the farmers and the suburbanites? What if we were noble enough to welcome legacies? Some of you have been here for generations. You've got streets named after your family. And some of you just moved here like five minutes ago from New Jersey. Or Apex Raleigh, which is the same thing to people who live in Chatham County. What if we were noble enough to welcome all these different birds of Chatham County? What if we had room for students? If you're a high school student, middle school student, college students, we have room for you. And we also were noble enough to welcome retirees as well. Did you know Chatham County median age is nine years older than the national median? Six years ago, we were only six years older than the national median. Now we're nine years older than the national median. And what's happening in Chatham County, a lot of growth, a lot of retirees continue to flood into Chatham County, and we still don't have a ton of 20-somethings, right? If you're a 20-something, we're so glad you're here. You're like, you're like a rarity. You're like a, you're like a 40 clover in Chatham County because there's not a lot of jobs for 20-somethings, right? So they live in, in Cary, Raleigh, Chapel Hill, Durham. They, like they, they, they live and work in those communities. So, and as, as people kind of go up, as they look to, to buy a house or whatever, they leave those communities to buy here because it's a little bit more affordable and they're, they're willing to commute, right? But not a lot of 20-somethings in Chatham County, a whole lot of retirees in Chatham County. In fact, one of the reasons why we built this building, if you're brand new, we just moved in here Christmas Eve, haven't even been here a whole year yet. But one of the things we said was, listen, the birds of Chatham County, there's a lot of seniors in Chatham County, a lot of retirees in Chatham County. And for us to be in a school meant that a lot of retirees didn't take us seriously. We knew we were serious. We knew we were a real church. We didn't need a building to be a real church. We're a real church now. We didn't need that. 
But the birds of Chatham County, some of them needed to reduce the barrier. We're a real church. We're really committed to loving Chatham County, being here. So we built a building in part to reduce a barrier for all the birds of Chatham County to come, make their nest, find their rest here. What if we were a noble enough church for Republicans and Democrats to be in the same tree, maybe even on the same branch? And I say this regularly. If you're looking for a church where everyone voted exactly like you did, don't come here. I mean, you're welcome here. We love you. But if you want a church where 99% of people voted exactly like you did, there are churches within 10 minutes of here that I can point you to where everyone will vote exactly like you did. And that's fine. Some people need that. And it's great. Like, they're great churches, and I'm glad to sort of point you to those places. But we're doing something different here. We're more committed to Jesus than we are to any current political situation, affiliation, or party. We're more committed to God's kingdom coming, God's will being done, in this community, as it is in heaven. And that has political implications for sure, but we're going to work that out differently. And so if you're looking for a church where everyone voted just like you did, don't look around because someone around you voted differently. What if we were noble enough cedar, big enough branches, big enough shelter, big enough shade? All the birds of Chatham County could come and we can work out our differences and have hard conversations and say, I still love you even if you drive me absolutely crazy. What if we were noble enough cedar and strong enough to gather up all the ethnic diversity of Chatham County, African-American, Latino, Asian-American, white folks, obviously, as well. And we know that we're a predominantly white church, and we've talked and prayed and a lot and thought a lot about sort of what does it mean for us to welcome all the birds of Chatham County and how we create spaces and more spaces and more spaces that we might welcome more and more of the ethnic diversity across Chatham County. And we know this has been a struggle for the church historically. It's a struggle for us. And if you're here today and you're, and you're, not, you're an ethnic minority, you're not white, we're so grateful that you're here. And I want you to hear me from my heart. We are all about having the conversation. How do we create a more noble cedar, more branches, more robust branches, healthier tree that welcomes all the ethnic diversity of Chatham County because we're here to serve our entire community, not just the slice that looks like me. What if you're noble enough to do that? Blue collar, white collar, no collar, all welcome to Noble Cedar Church. Your friend, your neighbor, your coworker, people that don't want anything to do with church now, nothing to do with God right now, but then their life falls apart, their marriage falls apart, they have a serious issue in their problem in their life, and they start asking deeper questions. And we want to be a place where you can easily, recklessly invite people, say, come and see, come and see, come and see what God is doing. One of the cool opportunities that having a building has opened up is that we've been able to host more things across Chatham County and partner with more organizations across Chatham County. Chatham County is a meeting space desert. There's just not that many places to have a board meeting or to have a, a, a celebration or a fundraising banquet or, or dinner. So we've opened the space up to the whole community. We had 13 different organizations in the last 12 months, over 100 hours, and we just sort of let other organizations use our spaces. I expect that to double in the next 12 months. We're gonna continue to partner with organizations that have our shared purpose of the common flourishing of all of Chatham County County, and if God would give us a building that we can open up to the community, that's fantastic. Another resource to further mission of hospitality. My friends, this is the beautiful thing about the way that Jesus lives. There's a beautiful practice, radical, generous hospitality it is a spiritual discipline, it is a gift that we have the privilege of going to our community and saying, no matter who you are, no matter what you believe, no matter where you've been, you are welcome here. Did you know that Christians invented hospitals? Late 300s? Christians invented hospitals. They, and they, they did this crazy thing. They created these spaces and said, anyone who's sick, anyone who needs it, welcome here. 
In a, in, in, in a world that was so very stratified by class and by nationality, it wasn't so much racial, but it was nationality and class, everyone was welcome. They said, listen, if you're a human being, Jesus died for you. Jesus loves you. You are welcome here. They invented the hospitals at a time when no one knew what germs were, right? They didn't know how diseases got spread. All kinds of Christians died welcoming germy sick people into the hospitals that they created. But thousands of people were saved. Lives were saved. And if you're especially from European descent, chances are a good chunk of us are only here today because your great, 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 great grandparents or grandparents somewhere along the way was saved. You're 400 by Christians who set up these places where all the birds were welcome, all the sick birds were welcome to be cared for. They called them hospitality centers. That's where we get the name hospitals from. And when these Christians opened up their hospitality centers, you know what? They had zero idea they're going to reinvent healthcare for the next 2,000 years. They were just following Jesus. They had no idea. And in fact, none of them lived to see it. None of them lived to see what God did with this crazy reckless thing they did of creating hospitality centers for all the birds of the air who were sick to come and be healed. They never see it. They never saw it. All they knew was they were being faithful to Jesus. And my friends, when you are radically faithful to Jesus, you have no idea what the Holy Spirit might do with the seeds you're sowing. And you might not live to see it. But the Lord loves to take small steps of faithfulness, small acts of kindness, radical acts of hospitality, and use that to further his kingdom coming, his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Hospitality says, you're welcome here. You're welcome here before we know how you voted. You're welcome here before we know what you did, you, what you do for a living. You're welcome here before we know how much money you make or where you live in the community. You're welcome here. No matter what your baggage, no matter what your background, hospitality says, you are pre-welcomed here. All of us are invited to apprentice under Jesus. All of us, everyone's invited to apprentice under Jesus, his life, his teachings, his death, his resurrection. That is the hope of the world. And that grace and mercy comes chasing after all of us. And then that grace and mercy is gonna change all of us and challenge all of us. And all of us are invited into it. Hospitality, radically committed hospitality. That's what Jesus shows us. Now, this is a hard thing, it's a challenging thing. It's not natural for most of us, right? We prefer people look like us, think like us. This is a totally sort of countercultural thing. But the good news is God doesn't just give a vision for this. He also gives the power for it. Now, Ezekiel gives us prophecy, right? Ezekiel 17 gives a prophecy. God's gonna do this majestic thing, take this little sprig, plant it, become a noble cedar, big and strong. Now, one of the ways you know if a prophet is faithful to God or not is does the prophecy come true, right? Does the prophecy come true? If you were alive in Ezekiel's generation or for several generations after that, you would have given Ezekiel zero stars on his Yelp review because it doesn't look like it at all. Israel is a conquered people, nothing noble about them at all for 400 years. Think about that, 400 years. Babylonians, Assyrians, Greeks, Romans, 400 years, they're a conquered people. They don't look noble. They don't look strong. No birds are flocking to it. It doesn't look like anything's happening. It looks like Ezekiel was a failed prophet, maybe a liar, or at least deluded at the very least. And then after 400 years, Jesus comes along. And from, the day, from day one, from the jump, he's like, I'm here to start a new thing the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. And he's the king that's come to inaugurate this crazy thing. And Jesus is having to constantly gather up all these prophecies and promises from the Old Testament 
And he's also trying to redefine them, kind of re- refill them, like refill them out with different pictures of what it means, especially king and especially kingdom. Because the people of Israel wanted the nation of Israel to be the noble cedar, the place where all these other nations came and bowed at their wonderful military prowess and their political prowess. And Jesus has not come to establish the nation of Israel as a political power. He's come to establish the kingdom of God, which looks very, very different. So one day Jesus is describing the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, he uses those interchangeably. And as he's describing the kingdom of heaven, he takes up this Ezekiel 17 kind of promise and picture and he remixes it just a little bit where he lands it in the exact same place. Matthew 13, Jesus tells this parable about the kingdom of heaven. He said another parable, the kingdom of heaven, like a mustard seed, which a man took, planted in his field, though it's the smallest of all the seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants, becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. All the birds come, perch in its branches. Slightly different story, same end result. Birds perching, nesting, finding shelter, resting. But this time it's, the emphasis is on the super small sea, this mustard sea, the single small sea, the super small. His name is Jesus. And what happens shortly after he tells this parable is this, this seed gets buried and then God raises it from the dead. And what happens on the other side of this parable years after that is this thing emerges, this mustard tree, noble cedar thing called the church. And from one seed, Jesus Christ, emerges the most dominant and largest movement of the last 2,000 years. And today, this morning, almost every language, almost every tribe, almost every country, almost every culture, every 30 minutes, a new voice, a new culture, a new language comes online. We started at 9 a.m. this morning. We started earlier this morning than we have previously. It's a new time, new service time. We're still late to the Sunday party because people, we're in the relay race of worship and praise, raising our voices. Eastern time, we finally get on board with all the rest of the world that's been before us. And we lift our voices and we sing and we praise. We join in all the birds all across the world who are singing the praises of this great name. And when the mustard tree, noble cedar church pushes our roots deep into Christ, the Holy Spirit flows through us that we might bear fruit. The Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, this fruit of the Spirit. You can't manufacture fruit. You can't manufacture fruitfulness. What you can do is cultivate a life that's deeply rooted in Christ. You can cultivate a life, prayer, scripture, study, being around people who are full of Jesus, who know Jesus better than you do, who can speak the word, who can help you to navigate life's challenges. And all this fruit gets born. And so part of what makes the tree so attractive, it's big, it's strong, and it's fruitful to feed all these birds to come, gather, make their nest, find their rest. And this is part of the work individually, but it's also part of our work corporately. Every Sunday morning, we're here in the gym, we're working out. We're working out. Every Sunday, we're here in the gym, learning, singing the songs, remembering what's true, repenting of our sins, acknowledging the mistakes we've made. Every Sunday, we're here in the gym, sinking our life roots deeper into the crazy, magnificent, reckless love of Jesus Christ. We're, we're drilling down deeper and deeper that we might be men and women who are fruitful, who live fruitful lives. And like we say all the time around here, the great thing about the fruitfulness analogy is the tree bears the fruit, but the tree doesn't eat the fruit. The fruit is for other people. The fruit is for the animals around you, right? A tree makes fruit, but the tree doesn't eat the fruit. This is why Jesus uses this analogy. It's why it's so beautiful. You were made to be fruitful. You're designed to bear good fruit, not for you, but all the birds of the air, to feed hungry people, hurting people, proud, obnoxious people, exhausted people, that we might be a community 
that is fruitful and strong, the noble cedar, mustard tree kind of community. Throughout the course of his life, part of what marks Jesus is how many birds of the air flock to him. And he doesn't sit in Jerusalem and wait for them to come to him. He goes out, right? He, he travels around and invites people, come and see, come and see, come and see. And then he sends his disciples out two by two. And the disciples are stupid at this point. They have no idea what, what Jesus is doing. They don't know anything. He gives them a very simple message and says, just go heal people and go and declare the kingdom of God. Ordinary people of faith responded to that call. Brothers sick, they're dying. Jesus welcomed those birds of the air. People who hated religion, didn't want anything to do with it, responded to Jesus' invitation, his proactive hospitality. Jesus welcomed those birds of the air. Religious leaders responded to the invitation, the proactive hospitality of Jesus. And most of them came to poke at him and see if they could kind of trick him into things. You know what? Jesus welcomed them, those birds of the air too. But you know what Jesus did? He reserved his harshest words for the religious leaders. And when Jesus reserved, whenever Jesus rebukes anybody or says something harsh to anything, anybody, every time Jesus says no, it's always there to serve a larger yes. Anytime Jesus says no, always there to serve a larger yes. Every time Jesus says no, always there to serve a larger yes. So Jesus says to these religious leaders, no to your self-righteousness because it makes you miss the righteousness of the kingdom of heaven. No to your self-righteousness because it keeps you from per perching and the noble cedar mustard tree thing that I'm making. No to that thing in order to say yes to the larger thing. People whose lives were covered in sin. Everyone knew they were sinning. They knew they were sinning. Those birds of the air also found a place in Jesus. He says no to them, to their practices, to say yes to them, finding their nest, making their rest in the noble cedar church. Because here's the deal. Sometimes you and I were our own worst enemies, aren't we? Sometimes we're our own worst enemies. Sometimes, if we're honest, you and I, we are our own worst enemies. So Jesus comes along and says, I know what you're doing. I see you make your, you're making your nest in all the wrong trees. You're thinking you make your nest in your career, making a nest with your money, with your, even something good like your family, even something like, just leave me alone, let me do my own thing, right? You're making your nest and you think you find your rest there, you think you find fruit there. And Jesus says, no, 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 there's no permanent fruit there. That's not life. I understand why you're chasing after it. I want you to leave that nest behind. I want you to leave that tree behind and come make your nest, find your rest in my noble seed or mustard seed community. It's not perfect, but there's real fruit there. The spirits that work there, come and see, come and see. We'll, we'll, we will know that we are the church of Jesus Christ when our church community looks like the noble cedar church that Jesus came to start. And just like Jesus, we are proactive. We are proactively hospitable. We're not waiting for people to come to us. We are proactively hospitable, extending the invitation to anyone who's willing to hear it. Come and see, come and see, come and see. And we pray that as people come, they find that this community is fruitful. We're not perfect. We're human beings, church is a mess, people are a mess, we're all messy, let's just acknowledge that, but the Spirit's at work in us. And my prayer, my hope is if you're new here in this community, that you'll, if you'll get to know people here, I hope you'll find that it's a fruitful place, that there's wisdom here, love here, grace here, even for the mistakes. None of us has it all together. And yet, we're invited into this noble cedar, mustard tree, prophecy project that Jesus is up to. And we're invited individually to sink our life roots deep into Jesus so that the spirit flow through us, that we might bear much fruit. And then we're invited as a church to step into this vision and say, you know what? We are gonna create a church community to the best of our ability where all the birds of Chatham County can come, make their nest, and find the rest in a deeply polarized world where everyone is stratified and cut off and sort of shunted in all these different directions according to their tribes. We say there's one Lord, his name is Jesus. He is over all the tribes, every nation, every tongue. And we're invited to come and build our lives around him. Everything else is sinking sand all over the ground. 
is sinking sand. Today's wildly important take home as we kind of close up. Here's the, uh, here's the summary. Jesus invites our church to be part of his noble cedar mustard tree project, to be a strong, fruitful place for all the birds of our community and beyond to make their nest be fed. That's the invitation from Jesus. As we head into fall kickoff Sunday, next Sunday, 30,000 of our closest friends invited to come and join us. Uh, we want to be on the same page that we're here to be a place to welcome all kinds of people. If you're brand new today or new in the last few weeks, we're so glad you're here. We hope that this might be a place. Make your nest, find your rest, be fed, be blessed by the people who are here in this room and beyond. And just like Jesus, we want to be proactive in extending radical hospitality. There's love here. There's grace here. I want to give you two prayers for this week. Two prayers to, as we close up. Two prayers. One, one prayer is that you will sink your life roots deeper into the proactive hospitality of Jesus and the fruitful power of the Spirit. I want to sink my life roots deeper in the hospitality of Jesus, that proactive hospitality of Jesus and the fruitful power of the Spirit. That you might first receive Jesus' welcome, his love, that you might know that welcome, that love, and then you might know the fruit of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit at work in you, through you. My friends, you can't give away what you haven't experienced or known. And so if you're here today, and you don't know the proactive hospitality of Jesus. If you're here today, you don't know the proactive mercy coming running after you, running after you, running after you. If you're here today and you don't know that Jesus is actually chasing you down, you are in the right place. We're so glad you're here. There's undiscovered continents of grace available to you. There's a savior. His name is Jesus. He has come to redeem the whole world. You're a part of that story. Come, receive it walk in it. I want to invite you to pray that you would know his proactive hospitality, that he comes chasing after you. And I want to ask you to pray that the power of the Spirit might flow through you. You can't manufacture that, but you can receive it and be open to it. Second prayer, as we close. Prayer, second prayer is this. Where, Jesus, were you sending me to express your proactive hospitality and, and through a welcome or an invitation or a conversation? Jesus, where are you sending me to express your proactive hospitality and Welcome. Jesus sends his disciples out two by two. They don't know anything. Maybe you feel like you don't know anything. You're perfect. You're the perfect person to go and extend that welcome, just like the disciples were. Are you willing to sort of say, hey, God, where have you sending me? Who are you sending me to that I might sort of move toward them? Maybe it's an invitation to join us next Sunday. Maybe it's just they're in a hard time, hard, having a hard season, hard space, and you know it. You just invite them to you step toward them with a question in love. Ask them what's going on, how are they doing. Maybe you bring them a, I don't know, a bun cake and some flowers. Whatever you do, that moves toward the people around you because Jesus moved toward you. As we receive his proactive hospitality, we extend that proactive hospitality in faith, hope, and love. My friends, my prayer, my hope is that we might be a church that looks like the Noble Cedar Church, this community that God has sort of kicked off with Jesus, this work he's done. My prayer, my hope is that this church might be a Noble Cedar community that welcomes all the birds of Chatham County, all across the community and beyond, creating spaces and places with fruitful life and a fruitful community where people might be fed, encouraged, challenged, and most of all, loved with the same love that Christ has poured out on us. Leading with that love in a radically polarized world, that's what makes us salt and light here. And this time, this place, may it be so. We pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for being patient with us. Thank you for coming after us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that is new every morning. My prayer for my friends here is that, as we just said, that we might know your proactive hospitality, your proactive welcome. For my friends who are here who don't know that proactive hospitality, don't know that proactive welcome, they haven't felt pursued by you ever in their lives or not a long time or they're in a season where it feels dark and lonely and cut off from you. Lord Jesus, would they hear your voice? Would you give them eyes to see? Maybe this week, maybe today, 
some way that you're chasing after them. Even now, even now, Lord Jesus, you are a good shepherd. Would you come after people who are hurting today, struggling today, feel cut off from you, or maybe, frankly, apathetic and disinterested, don't care about you. Lord Jesus, would you surprise people, us, this week, with your wonderful, beautiful, generous, gracious, chasing after us, welcome and hospitality. Come Holy Spirit, would you shape us into fruitful men and women to bless other people. And Lord, our prayer is that our church might be a noble cedar, that we might participate in the beautiful invitation for all the birds of our community to come make their nest, find their rest, be fed as the fruit of the Spirit is born out in our community, not perfectly, but as faithfully as we can. And Lord, we pray that all of this, all of this would echo to the praise of your great name, your kingdom coming, your will being done in our lives, in this church across Chatham County and beyond. For the sake of your great name, we ask these things. Amen, amen, and amen.